Rajiv Montgomery Noah was an eccentric billionaire. A failed politician with wild white hair encasing his head like a mane, he escaped to the northern mountains when his political career became burdensome and perilous. Tail between his legs, henchmen at his side, money held in various vaults across the globe that he slowly began to bleed dry as he built his kingdom. The world upheld his story with a reverent hilarity, following his antics because it made for good television, shaming him in a roundabout way reserved for royalty. I am Alana, and this is Racing Home, the podcast where I unpack the journey of writing the first book in a series about the end of the world. Welcome. I was listening to a podcast with Anger Kenobi, a UK life coach and just creative genius. And she was talking about being a burden and encouraging others, encouraging me to be a burden. And what that means is to be okay with taking up space, to ask for what you need, to take what you need, and to do it without apology. So inspired by that challenge, I am facing that head on. I am being a burden. I am taking up space by making myself a priority. Now, I've always I've always thought I had a pretty good balance until I really start to unpack where my time is going, what I'm doing, what I'm focusing on, where my energy is going, and what makes me happy. I love my job. I love the work that I'm doing in supporting other creatives, other authors. It's really rewarding work. But I am also a creative and I am also an author. So with Inger's help, (laughs) I am allowing myself to become a burden in my own day-to-day life by being the first thing on my agenda every day. So what I've been doing is I've been coming out to the chicken house in the morning. As per usual, I bring my coffee. Often I would sit down and read for a little bit or like do a little study, do some journaling, Now, the first thing that I'm doing is I'm sitting down, I'm opening my laptop, and I am writing at least my daily word count goal before I allow myself to do any other work. I'm not allowed to check emails. I'm not allowed to log on to social media. I have to write first. And this is how I am being a burden. And this is how I am making change in my progress. So, Today is Thursday, October 19th when I'm recording this. I began this process on Monday. So this is day four. Day four of being a burden. And I am very happy to report that I have showed up for myself every single day. Last time we talked, my word count was 52,433. I am so happy to let you know that today I'm sitting at 54,149. And like 1,700 words isn't groundbreaking, but progress is progress. And going from zero, like I started this project of keeping myself accountable to you. This is the third week of that. And if I had come on here with nothing to show, seriously, I might as well just toss in the towel. So Here's to being a burden. Here's to getting stuff done. Here's to being a priority rather than an afterthought. If I can continue on this path, I will reach my goal, which is 70,000 words by the end of this year. And because of the progress that I made this week, right now, in order to reach that goal, I only have to write 
217 words a day. And every day that I write more than that, that daily goal reduces. But what I am finding is, of course, I'm only four days in and it is hard to start a new habit, but I'm already finding myself dwelling on certain plot points that I have started to work out in these four days in that little 1700 word bit that I've been able to produce. I've spent most of my writing time these four days getting to know a character that I hadn't really developed yet. I knew who she was. I knew a little bit about her. I had a picture of her in my mind. Uh, I knew a lot more about her partner than I knew about her. So it's been really fun to get to know Maxine. She owns a little flower shop in New York City. She's just lovable and I'm really enjoying unpacking who she is. She is an emotional character. So I've found myself kind of wrapped up in my feelings. And you may or may not know that I develop a soundtrack for every project that I work on. So if you were to pick up my Church in the Wildwood book or Blackbird, flip to the back, there's a soundtrack listed there, which are songs that kind of capture the tone, the mood, the way I want you, the reader, to feel when you're enveloped in the story. So I am developing the same thing for The Path That Takes Us Home for the whole series. After my writing this morning, I was actually working on a cover design for one of my authors, and I put my soundtrack on, uh, I have a little Bluetooth suitcase record player, so I put my soundtrack on, and there are some newer songs that I've added to it that just, they're rather devastating, just really heavy and moving and gorgeous, but it made me really sad. <laughs> so I think I'm writing a sad book. There's going to be not sad things, obviously. I mean, I showed you a bit about a comedian last week, but yeah, it's interesting. The The soundtrack project is something I really like and it really helps speak to my own creativity and it helps balance out um, some of that, some of that tone. And it's a way for me to communicate really rich emotions to my readers without a lot of words. Like I can just send them a Spotify link and say, just sit in this for a while and tell me, tell me what you think. I try and pick really eclectic, non-mainstream songs, except I will say Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth is really the theme song of this whole thing. So that's a little hint for you. So last week I shared that I had discovered that I actually started writing this book in November 2016. And as I've been reflecting on that, um, I'm trying to let it let it go. Like it's not a big deal that it was started so long ago and it's been such, you know, fits and starts. That's what that's okay because no matter how long something takes, there is there is an end. I see the end. I'm excited about it. And speaking of the end, just as a side note, I was in the art gallery yesterday meeting with the gallery director. We're trying to do, to find different ways we can collaborate on things. Um, I'm hosting a 12 hour intensive there in November, which is really exciting. 
Um, she's just becoming a really great partner. So I mentioned just kind of flippantly that I had this vision of doing my book launch in the gallery. And she was super on board. She was like, yep, as soon as you have a date, let's lock it in, which is, it's so exciting to have um, community people, community members, um, other members of the arts community really on board to help. So, I mean, if nothing else changes, uh, I'm going to do a book launch in an art gallery, which is really exciting. So just wanted to share that. In that little opening excerpt that I shared right at the top of this podcast, I introduced you to the character of Rajiv Montgomery Noma. Now, Rajiv was not always Rajiv. He was called Xavier. I know this part was written during NaNoWriMo 2016. And I know that he was originally inspired by Donald Trump, who was elected president on November 8th. 2016. And I remember being so ripped apart by that election. And I don't, I don't want to take a political stand. I don't want any of this to be um, political. But when something affects you deeply that's happening in the world, it's hard not to allow that into your writing. So I actually went back on my old blog to see what I had shared about the election and oh I had some feelings (laughs) I'm just I'm just gonna read this to you so you can have a little sense of where I was emotionally in the midst of the NaNoWriMo craziness during the early pre-dawn hours of November 9th while darkness pretended to wrap this side of the world in a lullaby dreams rocked me until I was standing in a field It was that magic hour when evening light shoots across the wheat in such a way it turns to gold, and as I walked through it, I saw a woman standing in the distance, alone, arms resting at her side, fingers brushing the tips of the wheat, a heaviness rooted in my stomach at the sight of her, at the sadness in her face and the loneliness in her posture. I knew if I could extend one bit of grace to her, I would find a way to do it. I approached, and as I drew near, I realized it was Hillary Clinton. She watched me come, shaking her head slightly as if to say... I'm strong, leave me be. But I ignored her and continued until I could gaze directly into her wet eyes. I wrapped my arms around her and it felt for a moment like I was hugging the world. And then my mother appeared beside us and said in her gentle way, it's all going to be all right. I woke then, shaken, and grabbed my phone from the dresser beside me, flipping to Twitter, where, of course, I learned the news with immediacy. I couldn't sleep after that. And when dawn finally broke and I met the children in the kitchen, I asked them, do you know? They all did. We've been talking about it a lot. I feel sick, I said. Why? I just don't know. But I do know. I know that I'm terrified by what this means for the whole world. What does it say that one of the major world powers allows an arrogant bully blowfish to be its leader? What does it mean? I cried on the way to work. I was listening to interviews on the CBC and I'd watched a video about a mob burning the American flag before I left and I was just shattered. My heart broke for America and my heart broke for us. And as I crested the hill into Allen Park, a rainbow appeared to my right and that made me cry even harder. I was a wreck. I drove an extra loop around town to gather myself. Then, of course, the day continued in such a way. An hourly succession of more bad things. I got some difficult 
hard news that rocked me. I learned about the personal tragedy of a close friend. The marriage of another friend is dissolving. Our Posada is officially headed to the wreckers. The sky is falling and there isn't enough chocolate in the world. I left work early because I was exhausted, but trying not to cry. When I got home, I stuck into my room, crawled into my bed and tried to keep it together. When my husband found me, he asked, did you have a good day? No. Why? The world is falling apart. And then I told him everything, wiping tears while he lay beside me. And when I finished, he called in the children and they piled on me with hugs and giggles. And I remembered that the sun rises every day. So, so yeah, I had a lot of feelings and wherever you stand politically, that's, that's fine. That's, that's not what this is about. Um, this is about my state of mind when I was writing, exploring who this character was of then Xavier Montgomery Noah. And as I read that little excerpt I shared before, um, a failed politician, political career became burdensome and perilous. Like I was obviously projecting my hopes onto the current political situation in the world. And now I, I don't like that. Like I, that is not who that character has become. As I work through my feelings of the political state of the world and remove those from my expression of creative fiction, this character became so much more and developed a great, um, a great heart, really. He's someone that I really love. I think he has a gentle spirit. When I made the choice to change him from Xavier to Rajiv, it was partly, I knew I needed diversity in this book and I wanted to create a really compelling backstory for him. So I decided he was going to be born in India. I wanted him to have an Eastern mother and a Western father for some instant tension. Really, I wanted I wanted everything that wasn't Donald Trump to be <laughs> to be this character. So as I work through this manuscript, I am going to have to attack any of those moments where I'm painting him, this poor man, in a Trump-like frame because that's not fair. And uh, I, I just think it's really interesting to see how the real world influences the story that I'm telling. And what's really, really strange is that in that blog post, I mentioned the Passat going to the wrecker. So the Passat was our, our Volkswagen station wagon. We loved that car, it's like our favorite car. And we had to get rid of it. It was put to rest. So now, seven years later, our little Chevy Sonic was just taken away on the back of a tow truck the other day, earlier this week, because the battery exploded. I don't know what's happening there, but uh, the world works in cycles. And I think there's a lesson I'm supposed to learn that I'm not quite grasping yet, but I will get there. In a very roundabout way, I think it's fair to say that this book began because I needed to build a new world, which is a complicated way of saying maybe this book is Donald Trump's fault. He stands for a world I don't want to be part of. So this has become my commentary on how to build a world without people like him.
Thanks, but no thanks, Donald Trump. My story doesn't need you. Rajiv is a much better character than Xavier ever was, and I'm pleased that I have allowed that evolution. And no matter what happens in the future of American politics, I'm really going to try to not let that influence (laughs) the story that comes out of me. I'm just going to finish up with an excerpt from a scene of the reimagined Rajiv. This is him as a child. You get a little sense of his background here. Um, This is me working through who is this character and what is he going to do with his life? Rajiv sat cross-legged on the carpet in front of the television with a bandana tied around his mouth and nose. An episode of Malgoody Days played quietly on the screen, but he wasn't paying attention. In the other room, he could hear his mother coughing and crying. She coughed and cried, and ever so often he heard her call out the name of Shiva. He leaned forward and turned the volume knob further to the right to try and drown her out, but it didn't help. He wasn't allowed to go outside. He couldn't escape. They lived in a small village outside of Bhopal, but everyone in their neighborhood was staying inside, afraid their air was just as poison as that in the city. His father was already dead. Masked men in white had carried him out on a stiff board the day before to burn him along with all the others. One of the men had handed Rajiv a card with a phone number on it in case he needed their services again, nodding towards the bedroom where his father's body had rested beside his sick mother. Fresh out of college, his American father had been snatched up by the Union Carbide Corporation in 72 and relocated as a promising engineer to Union Carbide India Limited, where he met Rajiv's mother, a lifetime local of Bhopal. When Rajiv was born very soon after, the couple committed to raising him bilingual. Some of his earliest memories were staring deep into his father's blue eyes and repeating American words like diaper, dude, and shoot the breeze. There had been blood around his father's eyes when they removed his body, the blue forever hidden behind stiff lids the color of a bruise. He had been working inside the factory on the day of the gas leak. He got the worst of it. His mother had been shopping for the groceries at the market downwind from UCIL. Normally she wouldn't go into the city to get what they needed, but the family car was in the shop, so she had doubled on her husband's motorbike and planned to hire a taxi to bring her back home. The city can offer a better price than almost anything than our little village, Rajiv, she had said when she left that morning. She was in the produce aisle when people started vomiting around her. That was four days ago. She wasn't getting better. Chin up, bright eyes. We'll talk again next week. Chicken Head Press production, theme music by Alex Grohl and Alana Resnick. If you would like to support my writing journey with a small financial donation, you may do so by visiting bio.site slash Alana Resnick. That link is available in the show notes. You can make a donation of any size of your choosing and it will go towards funding 
the production of this book. Writing takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. It requires a lot of coffee and chocolate. So if you want to help out, that's one way you can do it. Donations over $50 will be automatically signed up to receive a signed copy of When the Trees All Burn at least one week before official launch.